Welcome to Tengradome. And uh, yes, this is actually going to be an actual episode of Tengradome, not a catch-up episode or a collaboration episode or anything of that sort. It's just going to be me talking about last week's event and pretty much nothing else. No bullshit. Uh, I'm kind of like not in the mood to fuck around this time. And I'm actually in kind of a kind of sort of good shape to uh, not turn the episode into a farce. Uh, last week's episode was uh, a collaboration with the Forbidden Technique podcast, guys. And the Forbidden Technique is our new podcast that comes out under the Fight Side Podcast Network umbrella that's going to offer weekly coverage for pretty much uh, all the important events that happen during the week. And uh, those guys, actually, Christian and Silas, they actually watch everything that comes out, or at least the majority of it. So uh, if you want to listen to clear-cut, no-nonsense, bullet-point-style combat sports analysis and recaps, that's the show you listen to. Tengredon will remain... Well, well, my show. It's going to be the weird show of the fight side. It's still going to be the same thing. So I'll offer um, post-fight breakdowns and maybe like fight previews on occasion. Like basically do whatever I want. And uh, the occasional... I really want to get back to covering like big picture stuff. The topics that uh, not a lot of people talk about in general. Like the thing that... For example, the thing that I've done with Hacks and uh, Dan and like operated uh, like the communi- communicating analysis episode, honor and martial arts episode, that kind of stuff, and the conversation with Nate Quarry. Uh, I really want to get back to that, and uh, thankfully, well, not really. It's not really a good thing, but I guess thankfully for me, the next uh, several events aren't going to be like super important. So uh, if you want a week, if if you want weekly coverage of those, you will still get it. But I'll try and like figure out a way how to cover a like a more substantial topic, a more like a meta kind of sort of thing. Uh, but regardless, either way, let's just get into the breakdown for now. Uh, UFC two seventy one, Adesanya versus Whitaker two, and the main event. Honestly, it kind of sucked. <laughs> it sucked! <laughs> it was kind of a boring fight. Uh, I mean, it, it made for an interesting viewing live. It's It was a gripping, gripping uh, combat sports competition. It was a it was a bout. It was a clash between uh, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whittaker for the second time. And uh, not much has happened in that fight. Not much... Uh, like Adesanya was uh, content to sit on a, I guess it's kind of a trend for him now. He's kind of content to sit on a comfortable but not very substantial lead, if you get what I mean. Like he can, he sort of kicked Robert Whittaker up, connected with some nice leg kicks uh, early on, kind of stopped doing them for a while, connected with a couple of body kicks uh, in the, in the middle portion of the fight, the occasional like counter. That uh, didn't exactly like put Whitaker on his ass. Outside of that knockdown in the first round, oh, it's kind of like also the camera work for the like the camera work for this fight was uh, surprisingly very bad. Normally, the UFC does a very good job. The UFC camera team does a very good job of covering the fight from multiple angles, so you can actually see what's happening. And um, looking back, I remember seeing and uh, I have. Uh, 
revisited the fighter first thing in the morning. Not like too intently. I just kind of like skimmed through it. But what stuck out to me uh, is that what struck out to me, I guess. How does that fucking word work? Is it struck out or is it stuck out? Oh. Uh, uh, stuck out, I guess. I, I don't know, fucking English. Fucking English. Not my first language. Fuck it. Uh, what I noticed is that, like, there were lots of angles where you couldn't actually quite, couldn't quite see what was happening very well. Like, you, you could see that the strike connected, but you couldn't see, like, whether it connected well or whether it was a glancing blow. You get what I mean. But, uh, I, they did uh, show on replay in the first round that uh, Adesanya threw like threw a feint, and Robert Whittaker did a commit committed he committed to a check like he lifted his leg up and he was uh, on one leg, and Adesanya caught him with the right straight and the right straight sort of glanced off his beard and then hit him in the chest, so it was kind of a, I guess kind of a glancing blow that off balanced Whittaker because and because he was on one leg he just toppled over. But still, it was still a chin connection, and uh, for like I guess for scoring purposes, it, I guess it can be a knockdown. I don't know. Um, either way, the first round was pretty much a ten-eight. Uh, lots of judges scored it as a ten-nine for Desanya, but if you look at the scoring criteria, and th- this is what this episode is going to be about mostly, the scoring, scoring criteria, and uh, how everyone l- scored the fight, because to me. It was kind of a clear Adesanya victory, a tepid victory, but still a victory nonetheless. But a lot of people are arguing in favor of Rob Rob Whittaker and uh, arguing, there's lots of arguments going around, like saying that this was a robbery. Uh, There was lots of very silly arguments about whether leg kicks or jabs should score more. And I wouldn't pretend, uh, I think that, I would not pretend that I don't think they're all very silly. They're all very silly, but we'll get into it all later. For now, let's recap what's happened. So, okay, first round. Uh, Desanya walks Whitaker down. Whitaker, well, Whitaker, from the start, he looked like he was uh, looking to draw Desanya in. Like, uh, initiate uh, exchanges and then counter uh, Desanya's counters. And it's something that I talked about um, in the preview article. We wrote a really detailed staff picks preview article where we talked about the whole main card and most of it most of the like pretty much every prediction turned out to be true uh, outside of the Taito Iwasa prediction we'll get into it later but okay let's just uh, okay let's zoom out a little and establish uh lay the groundwork for the following for the subsequent analysis and recap so like what I wrote was like if you wind back to the first uh, to the first fight the uh, the important points of improvement that Whitaker could have could have uh, would have to have been zeroed in on to have a better performance this time around is um, like well the obvious one is to not get starched <laughs> and uh, to his credit he did not <laughs> he didn't get starched so it's already like an improvement a massive improvement but. Oh, the first point was that everyone knew that uh, it 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 has been made clear that Rob was not exactly in the best frame of mind coming into the fight, and uh, 
while it can be dismissed as an easy excuse, uh, your actual mental state really does matter when you fight because it affects your decision making. And Rob also, uh, Rob sought to replicate uh, Kelvin Gastelum's success against Israel Adesanya, and he thought, oh, I'm a better fighter than Gastelum, so if I try to do what Gastelum did, I would have more success with it. And uh, what ha- what actually happened, the execution of it was uh, really lacking. Like, he overextended himself wildly to the point of breaking stunts and putting his center line right in front of Adesanya's counters. And uh, while he was able to beat Adesanya uh, to the punch on the initial blitzing entry, the mechanics of the of of, of his entries work in such a way that where like he actually has to put his foot at a like a ninety degree angle to stop himself, and it's really hard to follow up with offense from there. And if you try to throw a right hand from there, it actually turn it basically turns into a shift, like surely because of the mechanics of it. If you if you train. Uh, and if you've ever tried to play around with like the blitzing karate boxing type of type of stuff, it, it it feels fun. It's very fun. It's a fun style. Yeah, you can enter, uh, can cover distance very quickly. Large swaths of distance get covered extremely quickly. But it's but then you run into the problem of stopping yourself and then mounting follow up offense. So it's kind of a hard cap on how much you can accomplish with this style. Uh, then he basically head hunted Adesanya, didn't like kick the legs, didn't uh, hit the body, basically like. And all Adesanya really had to do was sort of like lean backwards and then rebound with uh, counter hooks, and uh, that's how Whitaker got starched. And so uh, uh, Whitaker coming into this fight uh, frequently talked about how he. Uh, well, he expressed his appreciation for uh, Jan Blakovic's performance against Adesanya in multiple interviews, and uh, in his um, recent outings against Darren Till, Jared Kennedy, and Calvin Gastelum, he showed that he kind of he's working on striking in transition, he's working on his takedowns, he's working on wrestling, that kind of stuff, and uh, many people thought that oh, okay, that's that 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 approach makes sense. Maybe it will. Like, uh, bring him more success this time around. And it sort of did. But simply wrestling... Like, Robert Whittaker... For, for Robert Whittaker to simply wrestle fucker the Sanya, uh, that he would have to have certain, you know, tools that he doesn't really have. Like, so, wrestle fucking the Sanya into oblivion was a bit of a stretch. And the the reasons are, like... the The, the reasons that I have outlined in the preview is that... Robert Whittaker is not an enormous Polish man, first of all, so simply sitting on him is out of the question. Uh, simply sitting on Adesanya will not work. <laughs> uh, second of all, he doesn't really have this, the same range parity with Adesanya and like uh, Blakovic. Blakovic, once again, is an enormous man with long arms. And uh, the problem, the initial problem is just that Adesanya outranges Whittaker by a by a lot it's it's a, his arms are way way longer he stands he he stands way way taller and uh, the robot Whitaker normally just like generally like, sort of starts from way outside because if he doesn't stand from doesn't start from way outside he'd get kicked up uh, the kicks are there for Adesanya and he, if he tries to float back closer to Adesanya he he may like it, it 
it kind of like creates the danger of uh, starting exchanges that he may not win because his stance is so plated. But it, it's it's one of the side effects of his uh, karate boxing style. Like he stands so side on, and when you stand so side on, it's it becomes inc- extremely difficult to maintain long exchanges. It's like uh, you can try it. You can assume first of all, you can assume a normal boxing stance like, that is sort of side on, but also like more fronted. And from there, you can actually like throw long combinations and take really small adjustment steps to kind of sort of reposition, win positioning against your opponent in the pocket, utilize more dramatic head movement, and then like rebound with counters. When you stand so bladed, when you stand so side on, it's much more conducive to dropping back on a counter and then rebounding with a single strike and then circling off. You can't exactly like. Re- reposition in the pocket in a bladed stance unless you actually adjust that stance and stand more uh, uh more like front f- facing your opponent more head-on so to speak and uh, beyond that uh, robert whitaker's re- offensive wrestling prowess primarily shows itself in upper body tie-ups like he he's decent from the body lock decent from over under or double under clinch clinch exchanges and he can trip or throw you from there and uh, he did kind of like try do and do the Frankie Edgar against Darren Till, and he like threatened the knee tap, the high crotch, and then like instead of pursuing the takedown and uh, chain wrestling, he just uh, let go of the uh, takedown, uh, let go of his grip, let go of his. Um, well, he'll bail on the takedown, and then he will come back with uh, right hands, uppercuts, and overhands, knees. But uh, that's still not the same as uh, grabbing someone and, you know, flipping them mass over tits. It's also really difficult to do against someone who is so longer than you, unless you hit into the body, which is something that Robert did not do. And uh, that's another point of contention for me with his uh, performance. Like, uh, the shot selection was just kind of... uh, Just... A, a touch short of he actually needed to do to win this fight. So, um, and beyond that, Robert doesn't really have the top game, and we saw that in the fight. He doesn't have the kind of top game to hold the Desanya down and beat him up. Like in prior to the fights, everyone talked about how he embarrassed Calvin Gastelum on the ground, but Gastelum is largely like you know a non-entity of his back. He's he doesn't really uh, shrimp. He doesn't uh, fight grips. He doesn't um, hip escape. He doesn't. Uh, work with his legs to create like separations. He doesn't use uh, butterfly hooks. He doesn't use uh, doesn't doesn't do any of the BJJ stuff that you can do to get from under someone. He just basically like lays on his back, lays flat, flat on, his, on his back, chills, waits until we try to advance position. Then he turns, gives off his back, um, gives you his back, and then he goes for a fat man roll or a, like a Granby. Uh, so it's not it's not the same. It's not exactly comparable. So what did Robert had? What did Robert actually have going for him? Uh, like well, basically, like if he were able to beat Adesanya to the punch on his entries, and he did, he did connect with lots of double jabs. But uh, a double jab is an entry. It's a safety lead. You don't exactly like the way Robert if. If Robert were to jab the same way like someone like, for example, fucking, I don't know, Golovkin or Sonny Liston does, then it would be a damaging attack. But the way Robert jabs normally is that he does a 
Okay, he, he uses it as a setup for a right hand or follow up offense or basically everything else. Robert did not throw a single fucking right hand in that fight. None. Or maybe he attempted a couple, but the, the ones that he did attempt missed and he almost got uh, clattered again for his troubles. Like, so what, what were the avenues available to him? Well, punch the fucking body. Uh, the signers preferred defense against incoming uh, striking offenses to lean back. And while when you lean back, that may bring your head out of an oncoming strike's effective range, but you can't at the same time suck your spine backwards when uh, a body shot comes, when you lean back. And the legs also become a viable target for the same reason. And if uh, Robert were to pressure Adesanya, and he did uh, on a couple occasions, press him back, to pre- have him like uh, backpedaling towards the fence, and uh, when Adesanya circled off after backpedaling, Rob could have kicked the trailing leg, but uh, also the problem was that Adesanya was just too f- too far away. <laughs> it's kind of like it became kind of like a catch twenty two. He he is catching Rob uh, Adesanya with double jabs and triple jabs and like blitzing forward with the jab, but Adesanya backpedals so far that if he kicks, his legs are now out of range of of Robert Whitaker's kicks, <laughs> like because. Well, the idea is that you pressure someone to the fence, their back is now square against the fence, you can throw straights to the body, you can throw body shots, you can just kind of unload on them, and if they circle off, you can either catch them with an intercepting hook to the body or to the head, or you can kick the trailing leg, because they can't, they're they're moving and they can't lift their leg to check while they're moving, while they're circling away. But uh, Robert Whitaker was not able to create this sort of situation to capitalize on that particular opening and he could have t- uh, he could tie up and he did tie up on a couple occasions he did get takedowns from there um, because like punch and clutch is a very good idea against uh, uh, it's a good idea for trans- for launching transitional offense like you tie some you throw a jab they throw a jab in response you duck under you tie them up you Create space and then you launch elbows, you launch uppercuts, basically the sort of thing that Justin Gagey sometimes did uh, in WSF and still does in UFC on occasion. Uh, it's good if you want to stifle someone's uh, pocket boxing, if you want to stifle a potent pocket operator. It's also just annoying to deal with, but the problem is that Adesanya is pretty decent in the clinch as well. He's pretty good in there. So... Adesanya knew how to defend against uh, most... He did a good job against defending against most of the transitional strikes that Robert threw. And, like, Ryan Wagner kind of hit the nail on the head that Robert is going to seek to tie up and throw transitional strikes and miss with them. (laughs) And that's kind of what happened. Robert did connect with a couple good uppercuts, uh, a couple hooks uh, off the break. (laughs) Uh, So I guess he found some success there. And once again, just a touch... A touch too little. If he, if he found a little bit more success with those attacks, then we could be talking about a split draw or something. I don't know. Uh, and then the last one is uh, the most dangerous route, but also the one that would pay the highest dividends is to counter the counters. Enter range, stand, stay within your stance, bait hooks, bait uppercuts, cross counter, left hook at Asanya's face off. And, but... Uh, Easier said than done, obviously, and it was, uh, uh, turns, turns out it's just, well, first of all, the sun is way too fucking long, 
also a way to fucking good in the pocket to just get caught with strikes like that, uh, with, with counters like that. And Whitaker's mechanics, they kind of fucked him here. It's like, Whitaker's style, uh, the karate boxing style is, in general is the kind of style that has sort of like hardwired, hard counters to it. It's uh, one of those styles that's very fun to play around with, very effective against selector position, but the moment you meet a good, tra- more traditional, more fund- like a more traditional fundamentally sound kickboxer or boxer, it, you, you start running into problems. It's like the same situation that we saw against... Um, the same situation that we saw in... Uh, Kyoji Haraguchi versus Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis started like out positioning uh, Haraguchi in the pocket, landing with good, nice uppercut left hooks counters because he just was playing a more tra- traditional boxing game. And then he called sort of like baited a committed uh, committed entry from Haraguchi and like committed. He baited a committed exit from Haraguchi and Haraguchi like started like explosively. Uh, bouncing out of the pocket and then uh, uh, Pettis caught him with a spinning hammer fist. Another fight that uh, created a lot of controversy uh, <laughs> in the post-fight discussions online. Everyone talked about how, how the fight was a fluke, but uh, if you go back and watch the fight, Sergio Pettis was kind of like, was kind of building towards that strike. Uh, you, you don't just... At this sort of level... At this level of, op- of of at this level of elite competition, you don't just throw something and it doesn't just it doesn't just connect. You may not have may not have been thinking about it, but uh, fighter instincts being what they are, uh, subconsciously he kind of knew what he was what he needed to do. Really, sorry, sip of coffee. <clears throat> Recording first thing in the morning while my brain is fresh. Uh, so okay. Uh, the problem, the problems. Why Whitaker didn't? Um, why Whitaker wasn't able to pull off what, on paper, is a game plan that makes a lot of sense. Well, first of all, that's that's basically now two fights in a row where Whitaker's approach made sense conceptually, but his shot selection and the mechanics. And technical ability in select areas aren't allowing him to tie it all together for a winning performance. Like w- once again, he didn't get flatlined. That's a good thing. He <laughs> didn't get flatlined this time around. That's just not enough. Like uh, so, the the way I saw the fight happening, uh, as it happened, as it unfolded, like we're going back to the recap now. Uh, again, Rob obviously looked to draw Easy in encounter, but he was allowing Easy to build and back him up. Like uh, Easy's feints backed him up, Easy's straights and kicks were were there all day for him. And then in the second round, Whitaker managed a takedown entry and managed to get Adesanya uh, uh, managed to uh, take the fight to the ground, but Adesanya right away. Showed urgency in uh, running to the fence, uh, building back to his base, uh, moving up, uh, re- um, rebuilding his stance and running to the fence. And then from there, he did a good. He's done a good job of tr- to fight grips. But uh, Whitaker once again like did a mad return. Uh, Adesanya started posting along the fence, and this is where 
If Robert had better grappling instincts and better resting instincts, he would have secured that secured that wrist right away along the fence. And it's one of those. It's a an instru- It's a. It's an instructive situation because uh, it's uh, kind of just shows that while Whitaker's wrestling uh, uh, credentials and wrestling capability, they're they're pretty great. For, for his style, they're very good. And it's kind of insane that he's been able to become so good at wrestling while not being a base wrestler. And uh, uh, we saw that in multiple different fights, like the way that he was looked un- unwrestleable against uh, uh, Yoel Romero and uh, the way he wrestled against Yoel Romero while completely exhausted in the second fight after getting knocked down and, and uh, his bell rung. But... It's his. He's not an offensive wrestler. He's not an offensive grappler. It's kind of like a, he has, sort of like let's say six. Uh, the, the way um, we have a, a Discord patron, uh, Discord subscriber who does a lot of BJJ and he knows a lot of, about BJJ. And the way he put it is that Whitaker has sort of like six out of ten offensive wrestling slash grappling. But in order to beat Adesanya in these exchanges, he would have had to have, like, you know, I don't know, fucking seven out of five? Seven and five out of ten. Uh, sort of like wrestling grappling. I know I I frequently make fun of the way people, like, treat fighting like sliders. <laughs> but in this case, it actually makes sense. So, like, uh, for example... Robert Whittaker attempts a blast double from way outside, and it's one of the problems that uh, I noticed in the fight is that Robert was just starting from way, way too far out. And I guess it's it's because uh, he was afraid about getting kicked up, uh, because once again, as I, I, I think I've said it already, like standing a bit a touch too close would have would have got him kicked up even more badly, and he would have, he would have actually received a lot of damage and may have gotten knocked out if he stood there. It's kind of a catch-22. You either enter range explosively and get countered, or you stand too far out and get kicked up. It's one of the problems that Robert was facing. It's kind of a, Really, it's an uphill battle for Rob all the way through. It's kind of amazing that he's done so well. Like, uh, Izzy's... But uh, the exchange I'm uh, trying to think of is the one where Rob attempted a blast double from far out, got sprawled on, and Adesanya was just sprawling on him, sprawling on him, and uh, when Adesanya let go and stood up, Robert didn't like chain wrestle or anything. But the problem is that he could have continued wrestling from that position as well. If uh, he were just a touch, a touch better at wrestling, he would have known to peek out and uh, get to get easy turtling and secure uh, Easy's back from there. And from there, you can secure all sorts of rides. Uh, you can. Uh, like uh, most guys at 135, 145, and sometimes at 155, they do this, do spiral rides, they do anchor rides, they do all sorts of rides. Really, like you know, basic like sort of folk style grappling stuff, folk style wrestling. I'm sorry, uh, folk style, comma grappling stuff that you can do from that position. But uh, Robert Whittaker doesn't do that, and it's kind of like it's. I know it's kind of a, it's a bit inconstructive to criticize Robert for not doing that because uh, it's kind of like asking someone to just learn new tools on the fly. But I guess if you're serious about committing to a wrestling game plan, this is something you should look into. It's it's not like, it's not rocket science. It's basic, it's really basic stuff. You know? 
but I guess it just represents a certain problem with the approach. It, it's uh, it's it all ties into the uh, problems of Rob's shot selection, his mechanics, and once again, select uh, skills and the level of skill in select areas. It's just it's it's one of those weird situations where uh, it made sense to commit a to a wider strategic adjustment, but the tactical. The tactical tools that uh, he had coming into the fight were just not there. Normally, in fighting, we talk about how a fighter had all the tools to win, but did not necessarily do the correct strategic adjustment. For example, the the, uh, the fighter in question didn't choose to pressure. The fighter in question didn't choose to uh, sort of like fight off the back foot and r run uh, his opposition into counters, that sort of stuff. The opposite is true in this particular case. And to to credit uh, Whitaker's corner, they've been calling a lot for... Uh, I seem to recall them calling for body shots, and uh, one thing that they called for is right hands. Throw right hands, Rob. Throw right hands, Rob. You gotta believe, Rob. At a certain point, they actually they just started yelling, you've gotta believe, Rob. And Rob is like standing like 12 feet away from Adesanya. <laughs> Blast double! You gotta believe, Rob! <laughs> Rob is like on a hill <laughs> from outside the cage. He's, in the, he's, he's actually like up there with the audience. <laughs> Looking at Adesanya, his brain is replaying the first fight in, <laughs> over and over again on a loop. I guess that's the reason why Rob didn't throw right hands. Is it's like he was connecting with the occasional hook and uh, the occasional counter jab, the occasional um, uh, hook of the jab, and uh, those were fine. Those were good connections, but they were just so spread out across the fight, so so spread out. And uh, in return, Rob would just get kicked uh, in the leg or in the body, and. There weren't a lot of them to warrant, like, to, to to for me to say, like, oh, Rob got, like, fucking kicked up to shit, but, uh, y you know, it's, uh, the fights are scored on damage, uh, and Rob didn't really accomplish anything with those takedowns, and I, uh, well, basically, I guess the reason why Rob didn't throw uh, right hands is that uh, maybe a bit of armchair psychology there, but I think it it's... Not inconceivable to think that every time that when whenever Rob threw a right hand, kind of stumbled forward, his brain started replaying. Oh fuck! I'm gonna get starched again. And it's kind of like it's kind of the vibe that I got. That's where we're, that's where we're at now. We're analyzing vibes. The vibe that I've got from Rob is that he was really like sort of really concerned to not get get knocked out. Really concerned about not getting knocked out, and he thought the way that kind of thought. Not to lose, as opposed to uh, as opposed to fighting to win, you know. I guess for for those intents and purposes, that was a good performance, but uh, it was not a winning performance by any stretch of imagination. Although a lot of people are imagining that it was actually that it actually was a winning performance, and I, you know, I think I've made it clear enough that I disagree with that. <laughs> I disagree with that quite a bit. Because I was rooting for Whitaker as well. Uh, like, uh, I was rooting for Whitaker the whole way through, and I cheered every time he got a takedown, and then I went, oh, he's not going to do anything with it. Uh, and really, uh, the son is fighting grips. He's just going to get up. 
And there they there they go. They're they're separate. They're separating now. Oh, a whiff on a transitional strike. Yeah, big whiff, big whiff. N n nice attempt though. And that was basically the fight for me. So it was kind of frustrating. Uh, it was a bit of a frustrating watch for me. It's not like I was frustrated with only Robert Whitaker. It was the onus. The onus was obviously on Whitaker to adjust, but the onus was also on Andersania as a champion to actually, you know, have a have a, have a good performance and not sit down and not cruise to a decision. Like after the third round, I said that, like, okay, Adesanya needs to step on the gas in the next round. Now he has to step on the gas and uh, walk Rob down, blast leg kicks and fuck him up. Uh, didn't happen. <laughs> Rob actually started having a bit more success with the double jabs. He started like uh, he started getting desperate. Started getting uh, gets, getting jabs and jabs off the hook, double jabbing, triple jabbing into range, secure, secured the rear waist lock at some point. Uh... Uh, didn't like trip from there. Didn't trip. Didn't try to trip Adesanya from the rear waist lock. I guess, I guess part of it is because Adesanya is so fucking long, so he has huge levers. So it's kind of hard to gra grapple against him. But also, Robert was just kind of sort of holding on for dear life, uh, looking for like trying to prevent Adesanya from fighting off his grips. And Adesanya is very diligent about fighting grips. Actually, like if you go back and watch his previous fights. The takedown defense isn't... The, the defensive instincts against takedowns aren't all that great, but uh, the grappling instincts in chain wrestling situations, they're, they're okay. They're all right. He leaves openings still, but he, he's focusing on the right things. He's focusing on fighting grips. He doesn't do stupid shit like hold the grip with one hand and then throw like a back elbow to to the guy who's holding, uh, holding onto a waist lock because that's what a lot of uh, fighters do in MMA when they don't have really good fighting, really good uh, grappling instincts. Uh, and then Rob, for some reason, tried to jump on, on Easy's back. Just jump on the back mount without a grip or a hook. Didn't get a hook in, just jumped on it. Kind of like a hero sidekick. <laughs> like, you know, the, the scene in movies where like a big, huge monster is attacking the hero's palsy. Attacking the hero, the hero is like uh, laying flat on his back. Uh, has a pistol, uh, aiming with a pistol at this gigantic monster with impenetrable skin, and then a sidekick just jumps uh, jumps on the back of the monster and starts stabbing him in the neck. <laughs> it kind of looked like that. <laughs> because generally what you need to do, when, the thing with backpack rides and uh, back mounts is that someone is standing, okay? You jump on their back, you, you secure body triangle so you don't fall off, you don't slide off, you, you go double unders, from the back, and then from there you can actually control posture. You can break the posture of your opponent, and then they can... And from that position, you can start working on either securing a standing uh, a standing submission, or you can transition to other to other positions, and uh, maybe the opponent will just get... Maybe the opponent will just topple over if they're not decent at maintaining their balance, because it becomes very hard to maintain your balance when someone has such a strong grip on your back and is like pressing pressing back on you and uh, kind of like trying to just off balance you either way Rob slid off and it was back to square one from there uh, that's kind of the fight uh, I guess the swing rounds are round two and four I'd say and the, the second round uh, yeah it could go to Rob 
I'm fine with giving it to Rob. The first round is a 10-8. The third round, eh, still Adesanya. Fourth round could also sort of go either way, but kind of uh, leaning Adesanya still. And the fifth round is Adesanya's. Um, Well, no. The the fifth round... uh, No, the fifth round is actually the Rob round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what does this make for? Uh... 48, 46, Desanya. 47, 45 for Desanya? I don't know. <laughs> That's a f- fucking scoring. Fuck it. Uh, not the point. God. I'm, I've actually, I'm actually getting bored thinking about this fight. It's a, it was a gripping fight. Watching it live once again, but objectively, like, it's not very entertaining. I guess the takeaway is that if uh, you were you were to stuck Juicy of Omega into an embiggening machine, or like if Gilbert Burns were a touch touch bigger, <laughs> the Sanya would have been fucked. <laughs> I guess that's the takeaway. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's one of those situations where the first fight was just such a fucking shutout that the, when the guy that if, if the guy didn't get starched the second time around and had more success and the other guy was kind of uh, having a tepid uh, cruising performance then then people are like willing to overrate it also because Robert Whittaker is a fan favorite a lot of people are sort of like willing to put uh, willing to smear Vaseline all over their glasses you know, overlook a lot of the successes that Adesanya had, a lot of the uh, um, overlook that uh, Robert was not they has not been able to accomplish much with his offense. Like the only real damaging bits of offense that were there were like a couple counter jabs, a couple left hooks, at most, no right hands. And then a lot, like uh, I got into a lot of stupid arguments, even with like, with like Conor Rebush of heavy hands. Conor Rebush was like, I said that okay, a leg kick is more damaging than the jab. It hurts more. It fucking hurts more. It hurts a lot. And and Conor Rebush was like, but what is the meaning of hurt? Like, <laughs> you know, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> We're going to argue about the meaning of words now. <laughs> uh, people were like, but no, conceptually, a jab from a trained boxer may suck about as much uh, as a leg kick from a trained kickboxer. Well, let's teach the boxer how to throw leg kicks then. And then he will jab you and then he will leg kick you. What do you think will suck more? <laughs> like, what's the difference? And it's like, that's not the argument really here. It's like, like Robert Whittaker is not the kind of, like, once again, a Gennady Golovkin type jabber. <laughs> you know? And Adesanya, Adesanya, like, ruined Paulo Costa's entire fucking life with the leg kicks that he threw against uh, Paulo Costa in their fight. We know that Israel Adesanya kicks fucking fuck off hard. They suck. His leg kicks suck to get hit by. What are we even arguing about here? And people who train as well. There, there were a couple of people who were like, no, I actually have training experience, and I think conceptually I recognize that if I were to get hit by a jab from a heavyweight, uh, I might get knocked out, as opposed to getting leg kicked by a, a middleweight. You know? You know, it depends. 
It depends. That that's not the issue here. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. In this fight, Israel Adesanya's leg kicks they sucked more than uh, than uh, they, they they were more painful than Robert Whittaker's jabs. Okay, <laughs> Israel Adesanya was backpedaling, putting his uh, putting his head away from his, uh, Robert Whittaker's jabs, and he was catching him ca- catching Adesanya on the tail end of his knuckles, and then he would get kicked in the leg, and Israel Adesanya was blast him out of his stance, and his, Robert Whittaker would go skidding along the would go skidding along the uh, canvas as if it was an ice rink, you know. Like, uh, the, the people were like, oh, Robert Whittaker's movement wasn't impaired by those leg kicks, so they actually they don't, count, don't count. They didn't. He didn't show visible signs of damage from those leg kicks. Well, for, like, fucking, first of all, Robert Whittaker, listen to the corner audio, Robert Whittaker was like, oh, fuck, my leg hurts, after the first round, after he got kicked up. And then, second of all, visible damage? You know, that's, that's, that's why... Body shots don't score. <laughs> That's why judges don't score body shots. Like, people... Uh, I think, like, Sandro hit the nail on the head, like, when we were talking about this fight. Like, like six months ago, everyone was jizzing their shit about the low, low calf kick and scoring, like, every single one, like, a knockdown. Oh, the calf kicks, they're so damaging, they're so... They're so crazy. Like, uh, like completely unbeatable technique. And, and then, like... And and now leg kicks don't score because it's your favorite guy fighting in there. Like the guy didn't show the effect of the damage. That's why nobody scores body hits. Like yeah, you get hit in the body, it sucks. But unless I guess you're Daniel Cormier and your belly jiggles and you go ah oh, fuck, nobody will score the body strike. I guess unless it's an Aldo, uh, wind up like a like a Marge Simpson hook to the body, <laughs> and also because it's Aldo, just crazy, crazy shit. Fight fans, man. You know, just some consistency would be nice every once in a while. Like, <laughs> I know it's a silly example, but I think if this fight were to take place in Thailand. They would just score this as a 50-45 shutout in favor of Adesanya because they don't give a shit about jabs. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's pretty stupid in its own right, but, you know, it's it's still closer to reality than what people are thinking when it comes to MMA. Like, uh, an MMA fighter would watch, like, a fucking... Uh, a fight between, like, I don't know, Sam Kork, Yatmontep, and... Uh, um, what's this guy? What's this guy's name is? Um, I was watching like a highlight of a Muay Thai fight or a kickboxing fight between some core and, uh, a Japanese guy. Fuck, I'm blanking on his name. Right. Give me a second here. Uh, uh, Yuya Yamamoto, I think it was. And th- there was, in this highlight, you see a lot of kicks connecting to the body and connecting to the legs and connecting to the arms. And uh, both guys are just, okay, I got hit. I'm continuing, we're, we're doing, we continue, let's continue kickboxing. Like, do you think, do you think none of those kicks scored? None of those kicks should be scored? <laughs> I guess that's what MMA, uh, most MMA fans think. At least those that scored the fight for Rob Whittaker. 
and uh, running around screaming their heads off about it being a robbery. Like, robbers are tough motherfucker. Fighters are tough motherfuckers in general. It, it would take a while until they start limping and crying about getting their leg chewed up. You know? Do you think... Do you think Uriah Faber... You look back and watch the Uriah Faber versus Jose Aldo fight. Do you see, like, Uriah... Like, now there's... Do, do you think every single fight should be like that? For leg kicks to score? Huh? Ugh. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's all so stupid. The sport is stupid. The fans are stupid. They're silly. It's all silly. Anyway, I guess we can uh, wrap this thing up and uh, get into where we go from here. Uh, honestly, not very interested in seeing a third fight. It's kind of a... It's just... You know, for, for as many, uh, Rob can knock, like, uh, Rob can fuck up as many contenders as he wants, basically now. He can just demolish everyone and, uh, and look, look great, uh, secure some nice, uh, names to his legacy, I guess, and then retire peacefully. It's just that adjusting for Adesanya is just such an uphill battle for him. I don't think he's ever going to hit on a on a game plan that would allow him to win or even get away with with a decision. Because Adesanya is also going to, you know, think about this fight. He's also also going to make adjustments. Like for example, may he may step on the gas now. May actually like pressure Whitaker and uh, fuck him up along the fence, knock him out again. Uh, Robert, because uh, Robert just fucking hates that Adesanya is so fucking long. Uh, so every time he fights Adesanya, he has to cross like a notion of space <laughs> between them. <laughs> he he needs a fucking uh, a jump drive from June to get to Adesanya and uh, fight him effectively at a range that he's comfortable with, and his mechanics. The mechanics of his karate boxing style aren't built to handle someone who's taller than him, who's so much taller than him. If he had the mechanics of someone like, I don't know, fucking Justin Gagey, maybe he would have would have had more chance because uh, then he would have an overhand that doesn't take him out of stance. Maybe he would have low kicks that would have punished someone who, who, who stands so tall. But it's uh, basically asking... Robert Whittaker to become someone else, and you can't ask that from someone. It's a it's a dumb criticism in in the first place. It's also uh, Robert Whittaker is also very late into his career, uh, like basically nearing the tail end of his career. He's had a great run, but now he's had lots of mileage, lots of tough, incredibly tough, incredibly scary fights, and uh, drastically rework reworking your style to fight against one guy. It would be a remarkable achievement if he pulls it off, but it would take a lot out of him. And I think uh, he would be 2-1 to one in the trilogy, and uh, he will likely be forced to retire afterwards. So I, I'm not sure if I want to see it. I may change my mind, but that's how I feel about it now. I guess, I don't know, fucking... I, I guess Rob will fight Str Strickland. Uh, 
uh, will shit kick Strickland and then uh, Adesanya will fight uh, Cannoneer. Probably shit kick him as well. Or maybe like have another tepid decision. <laughs> and then they'll fight again. Uh, I don't know. Middleweight is kind of sort of becoming increasingly more, less and less exciting as time goes on. Paulo Costa, I don't know where he is. Paulo Costa is uh, too busy. Paulo Costa is now too busy uh, making short, shirtless selfies and cap- captioning it with uh, I'm so heterosexual now today. Feeling so heterosexual today. <laughs> Feeling like I may want to fuck a chick today, lads. <laughs> That's what he does. That's what he's busy doing today. <laughs> <laughs> that's only, uh, his only shot at relevance these days uh, fucking hell man uh, anyway that's 15 minutes we spent on what is a an actually really boring fight but the, I only watched the main event but the main event oh, I'm sorry the main card but the main card was uh, pretty fun Pretty cool main, main main card. The co-main. The real main event. The real main event of UFC 271 was a heavyweight fight. The real main event of UFC 271 was Taito Iwasa versus Derek Lewis. Can't believe I just fucking said that. <laughs> just an incredible, incredible fight. Honestly, no joke. I'm not even fucking joking right now. It was the best fight on the whole card. Taito Iwasa came in with a game plan to pressure Derek Lewis behind low kicks and jabs to the fence and to clinch exchanges and strike Derek Lewis with elbows on the break. And Derek Lewis's game plan was to wrestle Taito Iwasa Let that fucking sink in. <laughs> and both game plans were working. For the most part. It was working. <laughs> Derek Lewis stole Taito Iwasa in the clinch. They separated, then they entered the clinch again. Derek Lewis took Taito Iwasa down, connected with hellacious, absurd Derek Lewis ground and pound. And we know how Derek Lewis' ground and pound looks. It's Derek Lewis' ground and pound. Taito Iwasa survived. Ground and pound from Derek Lewis. Build up to his feet. Exchanged with Derek Lewis. Tied up with Derek Lewis. Got... <laughs> got Harai Goshin by said Derek Lewis. <laughs> oh, so in I don't fucking know. <laughs> Oh no! It was it was it was a hip throw. It, it was a hip throw. You, you, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, like hooked tied to Iwasa's ankle and threw him over his hip. Perfect execution, or as perfect as it could have been for Derek Lewis. Fuck him. Taito tied up with Derek Lewis and knocked him out with elbows. Absolutely starched him. Just incredible. 
genuinely incredible. Like, Taito Iwasa, like, uh, it, it, it was another one of those, what the fuck, I love Taito Iwasa now. Because uh, I didn't care about him after he tried to exchange with uh, uh, Junior DeSantis while uh, while lying underneath Junior DeSantis, while Junior DeSantis was in full mount. Uh, but then Taito Iwasa went and starched Greg Hardy. He knocked that fucker Greg Hardy out. So that was cool. And I thought, okay, that's great. Taito Iwasa, I may watch your next fight. And now he comes out and does this. Actually, really encouraging stuff. From both guys. Well, I guess less encouraging for Derek Lewis because now I have concerns about his chin. Uh, uh, getting knocked out like that doesn't do good things to your chin and uh, doesn't say good things about about your chin <clears throat> so late in your career. Uh, but Taito Iwasa stuck to a game plan and executed it. Executed it pretty well. That that that's that's pretty nuts. That's kind of nuts. So I guess let's let's all get on that Taito Iwasa championship run where he where the end of the line is getting starched by Francis Ngannou. <laughs> get a fucking flatlined by him. Or I don't know. I guess, I guess like uh, getting decisioned by Francis Ngannou as he. Uh, as he rides it out, as he rides you out along the fence, <laughs> wrist rides you, <laughs> crown and pounds you into oblivion. Uh, I don't know. Jared Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. Unanimous pick from staff. Unanimous uh, Jared Cannonier by KO in the second round pick from from uh, the entirety of fight side staff. Uh, poor, poor Derek Brunson. Uh, you you could tell that Derek Brunson worked his ass off to get better at striking and tie his striking to his wrestling, and to figure out how this whole MMA thing works. But uh, it's an immen- the way he tried to fight Jared Kanier is an immensely tiring game plan. <laughs> Not sure you took Jared Kanier down, and sort of like kind of beat him up on the ground, but Jared Kanier. He's incredibly strong. He's just such a fuck-off strong man. Got up each time. Derek Brunson, not necessarily the kind of smothering top control grappler again. Uh, like uh, So, uh, Derek and built up to his feet. The round, that's how round uh, one came to a close. And then round two, Derek Brunson, visibly worse for wear incredibly incredibly tired and sort of reverted uh, reverted back to his usual mold the the usual Derek Brunson staple of running forward and trying to take someone down with your chin like leading with your face <laughs> uh, well you know as you, uh, as the old as the old saying goes fatigue makes cowards of us all not implying they're obviously not implying anyone is a coward it's just that Meaning that uh, you just get reverted to your usual habits. When fighters get tired, they start doing the usual shit that got him in trouble. Uh, prior, uh, prior before, in previous fights. Um, I guess I'm sort of excited for Kananiya. Kananiya has uh, uh, really, really... He's obviously extremely physically gifted. Uh, not exactly the, the, the 
the best craftsman, the most nuanced craftsman, but uh, he's okay. Has an eye for a counter. Should lead more. Should pressure more. Throw more. Use the jab. Uh, basic, basic usual criticisms. Yeah. You could conceivably drag a really weird low pace fight from Adesanya, I'd, I'd wager. I can't imagine that happening. Jared Kananiya is powerful and uh, rangy enough to kind of scare Adesanya into passivity, and so Adesanya will start doing the usual faint, 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 low kick type of stuff. Another type of decision. Hinata uh, Moaikano, the king. Hinata Moaikano. Money. <laughs> Money Moaikano. Uh, choked out Alexander Hernandez. Uh, cool fight. Uh, Hernandez sort of had him in trouble in spots, but... Still, Hinata Moaikano much better. Uh, great counters by Moaikano. Uh, great club and sub by Moaikano. And uh, classic, lengthy, weirdly rambling, like meandering interview by Hinata Moaikano. I just love those. <laughs> you should make them longer and longer with each subsequent victory. But uh, Hinata Moaikano spoke out in favor of uh, increasing fighter pay. Hinata Moaikano likes big checks and he cannot lie. He has a son to haze. Come on, you see, you fuckers. Hinata Maikana has a son to haze. It's okay to make fun of Hinata Maikana's accent because I actually like him a lot. <laughs> so it doesn't count as, you know, discrimination. <laughs> uh, I guess it was, it was kind of nice seeing a, a fighter be so outspoken about uh, about getting paid well. Because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the time it's fighters begging for shit from the UFC. Please, I want that bonus, Dana. Please. Please, Jibus. You know? Uh, it's kind of depressing. I, also, it happened uh, lower down in the card. Well, pretty much fight, also fight of the night. Douglas De Silva de Andrade versus Sergei Marozov. Check out that fight. Uh, DSDA mounting an extreme... Extremely cool comeback, coming back from a beating, and uh, it's it's not like a kind of like a weird knockout kind of thing. It's he actually like bit down in his mouthpiece, turned the fight ugly, and wrenched that victory from the jaws of defeat. And normally the opposite is true in MMA, so that was that ruled. But then it was quickly turned heartbreaking when he said that he really needed that bonus because his mom is ill and needs a new wheelchair. Uh, just grim. Grim shit. Uh, just makes you feel bad for watching this whole thing, you know? <laughs> this type of stuff. Uh, obviously not DSDA's fault. Anyway, uh, back to the main card. The last, uh, the first fight of the main card was Bobby Green versus Nasrat Hakparast. So basically what I said was, um, uh, coming into this fight, was that Hakparast was kind of... Uh, <clears throat> sort of the kind of prospect for Bobby Green to look cool against, and that's pretty much what happened. Bobby Green looked cool, as always. Box Nasrat Hakparast up. Nasrat Hakparast uh, kind of lost sight of what he can be. Lost sight of his better attributes. And uh, entirely blame the move to TriStar for that. Just, I don't know what, they, what they're doing at TriStar over there, but uh, they haven't been, haven't been churning out good fighters for a long, long time. Right, just uh, Faraz Zahabi riding those coattails, riding those GSP coattails. Uh, 
just grim. Uh, also suddenly turned into a COVID denialist. Uh, just, <laughs> just, I remember people talking about how Faraz Zahabi used to be the smartest man in MMA. Like his brain genius. And now it's just... Uh, uh. Alright, that's enough about uh, grim shit. Let's talk about more grim shit. <laughs> Russia is about to invade Ukraine. Way! <laughs> My native currency is going to completely plummet. Way! <laughs> World War Three resource wars. Let's kick them off. Let's kick off World War Three. Yeah! Anyway, that's what's been on my mind lately. Uh, kind of, you know, that that's one of the reasons why I was I'm feeling under the weather lately, the last couple couple of weeks maybe. Things are not looking up, folks. Uh, obviously, I'm not gonna get conscripted and uh, dra- or drafted unless things go really off the rails. But you know, that's that's why your support becomes uh starts mattering even more <laughs> I'll need the money to survive <laughs> fucking smooth segue right there <laughs> just, uh, talking about uh, talking about fighters begging for shit from the UC and now I'm begging begging my listeners for shit <laughs> <laughs> because my country is run by a bunch of like crazy people <laughs> who love war and uh, oppression and uh, disarray and chaos and pain, you know. <laughs> nah, I guess I, I guess I'm gonna be okay. Uh, um, okay, so did I talk about this in the beginning of the podcast? Or didn't I? I don't fucking remember anymore. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Look forward to the weekly uh, Forbidden Podcast episode where they're going to talk about their take on the fight, uh, their take on uh, UFC 271. Also, they're going to do... I'm pretty sure they're going to do a preview of uh, the upcoming Fight Night event because they're going to offer weekly coverage. Also, we're going to record... Uh, I'm going to assemble... I'm assembling a team. I'm going to assemble uh, our staff and record uh, the uh, the first revival episode of the Fight Night MMA podcast where we're going to... Uh, do we're gonna run a digest on what's happened currently in the UFC? The topics that I want to cover are uh, basically like um, the events that happened so far, uh, major takeaways and such, what this means for the fighters that were featured on the events, uh, state of division so far in 2021, what sort of like matchmaking we can expect, what fights make sense and what don't, uh, maybe something random. Some kind of some kind of trend, uh, a shift in the matter. We can talk about that. We can. We will probably also talk about how, well, I guess, basically the quality of the events and uh, what can, could be done to make them better. I guess nobody is going to take our criticism in earnest, but I guess it's it's worth it's worth it's worth talking about still. So we're gonna do a digest. Certainly look forward to that. Also, alternate commentary for the main card by Sri Morali Daran. Uh, that boy was incredibly biased for Whitaker, as always. He's incredibly, incredibly biased for all his boys, um, and it's perfectly fine because he's actually pretty good at watching fights and pretty good at scoring them live. So, 
Look forward to that. Maybe Ed will do a bad calls episode on that fight. I don't know. It uh, depends on his schedule, whether he has the time or not. Uh, and I guess that's that from me so far. That's the, that's the schedule for the week, uh, at least in terms of MMA. Uh, Lukash is going to Lukash rec- records weekly previews for boxing cards and also records weekly podcasts where he talks about the boxing cards. So listen to that. Also, what do I have to plug? Do I have anything to plug? Uh, I think that's that. I think that's it. Again, uh, please support us on Patreon. Uh, the commentary is always going to be available on Patreon. Uh, everything is available on Patreon. We're, we're trying to figure out our schedule. Because, again, uh, not all, pretty much all of us do this as a hobby. We don't do this full-time. Uh, we have lots of, shit, lots of shit going on, so we kind of like do... We put a lot of effort into what is basically free content. And we put a lot of effort into putting out content that's incredibly cheap. Lots of content for three bucks, five bucks per month. I mean, it's, it's a fucking steal, folks. Come on. <laughs> also, you're quite literally feeding my family. <laughs> no joke. That's my only source of income right now. <laughs> Doing this shit. I could have been a porn artist, you know? I could have been running a, 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 video, a porn video game scam on Patreon. You know how much money those make? $100,000 per month. They run the scam for like maybe like a three three years, never finish the game, take the money and run. That's what they do. I could have done that. Instead I'm choosing to fucking talk about fights, talk about fucking the gayest fucking sport on earth. Jesus. You should be grateful to me. <laughs> Alright, anyway, that's your choice. If you think uh, I'm full of shit, that's your privilege. Uh, that's 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 uh, that's your right. Uh, I guess that's enough of that. UFC 271 post fight breakdown. Okay, event. Watch the event. It's pretty cool. You can catch up on it. There's lots of cool fights. Main event. Uh, I don't know. Kind of skippable. Interesting. It's certainly interesting. Certainly instructive. At least the first time around. Revisiting was a pain in the ass. Uh, heartbreaking for Robert Whittaker fans, I guess. Um, I'm a Robert Whittaker fan. I was rooting for Robert Whittaker very, like, very hard. But all this narrative building around this fight almost makes me wish Robert Whittaker got starched for the second time. <laughs> That's how vindictive I am. <laughs> I'll be I'll I'm a vindictive asshole, okay? I'll be the first person to admit that. I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, it's it's probably my worst trait. Also one of the most defining traits. I'm an asshole. I uh, uh I'm a fun-loving guy that's an asshole for fun. Uh, being an asshole uh, brings me joy. <laughs> oh god, I never know how to end these, do I? Just never know when to, when to stop. Okay, I've plugged everything. Uh, we've talked about the fight. Uh, that's it for today. Episode over. I'm fucking off. Okay, bye. <laughs>